You're listening to a Piedmont Instrument Classes for Kids virtual concert. This interactive session with Dom Flemons was made possible thanks to the NC Arts Council and the Rockingham County Arts Council. Piedmont Instrument Classes for Kids is a joint project between Piedmont Folk Legacies and the Rockingham County Education Foundation. This interactive session was recorded on October 28th and features the American songster. Dom Flemons is a songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, producer, actor, music scholar, historian, and record collector. His repertoire of music covers over 100 years of early American popular music. We now send it down to Piedmont Folk Legacy's Executive Director and Pick Program Director, Louise Price. Thanks to a wonderful, generous grant from the uh, Rockingham County Arts Council and the North Carolina Arts Council, we are honored to have Don Fleming, um, multiple Grammy nominee and winner, uh, Emmy nominee, musician, scholar, all-around good fella, and uh, super talented. And Don, we are so honored to have you with us. And we've got our pit kids sitting here waiting to uh, to hear this wonderful music unfold. And... Uh, as we talked for just a minute ago, we're looking forward to the day when we can have you back in person. Um, we've had you here before at the Charlie Poole Music Festival, and uh, maybe by the time you come back to join us in person, these kids will have perfected their craft and will join you on stage. So, oh, but until yeah. then, I'm going to turn the virtual stage over to you, and we're looking forward to a great night of music. So thank you for coming. Well, thank you all so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And, you know, I've had such a wonderful time every time I've been down at Charlie Poole. And one of the reasons is because Charlie Poole as a musician was such a multifaceted songster who performed a lot of different types of music. And that was something that was always of interest to me. And so this first song I'll play for you is one called Charmin' Betsy. And I got this from the recordings of another early songster, a fellow by the name of Henry Ragtime Texas Thomas. And he featured this instrument, the quills, which you can find all over the world in South America and uh, different parts of uh, the Caribbean and Africa. And uh, I brought a special banjo here, my good friend Big Head Joe, uh, who's a, a special large six-string guitar banjo. And he's going to be accompanying me on this, uh, this number here, Charmin' Betsy. And so it's a little medley of different numbers. And Charlie Poole is one of the other musicians who tended to feature these sort of medleys in his records. So here we go with Charmin' Betsy. This is an old square dance number. <laughs>
Should I just keep picking them, or is it? Did you, you just, want to ask you just any let questions? it go, Dom. All right. Well, let's keep on moving with it. Let's see here now. This one. Let me get a little. This is a different type of banjo. This is a four-string plectrum banjo. They call it, and this is a. This is a banjo that's uh, generally associated with jazz music, so it's a, when you're playing it, you kind of, compared to the six-string there, I had more of a guitar strum. You sort of get a, a real nice, quick, sort of chunky chord sound. <laughs> A, a certain way you can play the four string, but over time I've developed a few different ways of, of picking it. Uh, like one, one way is uh, just to give you a little sense of Charlie Poole. When I got to spend some time with the great Kenny Rohr, he, got, he showed me a little bit of one of Charlie Poole's uh, banjo rolls, and I incorporated it into my version of Milwaukee Blues. And so let me sing this one for you real quick. that you you showed them a few Charlie Poole licks there. Um, we've got some of our good banjo students tuned in tonight, Christopher and Lillian and Lincoln and Braylon. Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that awesome? And uh, you'll learn some different banjo playing styles as we go forward. And of course, yeah, we got to ask me a guitar students here tonight too, so. Well, feel yeah. free to ask me a couple of questions as we go along tonight, because I just picked a couple uh, just to... Uh, 
couple out of them, uh, just top of my head and a couple of them that I, I know that Louise likes, you know, so I was, uh, uh, you know, one of the, the interesting stories I got from the last time I was in at uh, Charlie Poole is that Kenny Rohr, he actually gave me a, a strong connecting point for Big Head Joe, which I started out the concert with, and he was telling me that he had a banjo that was similar, but it was a smaller tenor banjo owned by another group called the Four Pickled Peppers, who were a group that were popular after Charlie Poole in the mid-1930s. Uh, but yeah, the Four Pickled Peppers are a great one. And one of the things that's beautiful about uh, Charlie Poole's style is the the use of the three-finger style uh, in, in incorporating what at the time they called um, classic banjo or vaudeville banjo that featured a lot of uh, classical guitar finger rudiments. He incorporated that, and later on it became bluegrass banjo as we know it. Like, uh, for example, here's here's sort of a, an old-timey bluegrass number that doesn't use a three-finger style. This is a, a, um, a song from the Monroe brothers, Bill and Charlie Monroe, and this is one called Long Journey Home. And so I kind of feature a little bit more of the Kentucky overhand style, which is a type of playing that um, it's usually associated with Uncle Dave Macon, even though he wasn't from Kentucky. But it's a sort of style that while playing a four beat, you have four beats you can play with your other hand. And at certain points, you can you can double the rhythm of your banjo playing just by using your hands like so. But the overhand style is sort of taking the, the right hand and, and sort of creating a bouncing sort of it sort of gives a train rhythm to it. So um, a lot of Kentucky banjo styles tend to have that going on, but it's a sort of a trick move as well. And when you start getting into the fast breakdowns, you can start to go into some different techniques. So let me show you a little bit on Long Journey Home. got two great teachers that assigned him tonight. I'm sure Caleb appreciated that one. He's a good bluegrass picker. And, and of course, our, our fiddle teacher is Katie Griffin, whom you may have remembered seeing at the festival. She grew up. She was a little kid, came to the festival and competed. And now she's teaching for us. Oh, that's fresh, a wonderful thing. Yeah, Glad fresh her, her studies. Uh, so we're, this is a great class. We got uh, Felicity, one of our banjo students, and Noah, one of our guitar students here. And I know they're enjoying this tremendously. So that's, that's great. Well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you all are enjoying it. It's, a, it's just a pleasure, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I've, I've, 
I'm always so blown away is that in uh, 2020, I just am so glad to see all the work that's been done over the past couple of decades to try to teach the young folks about traditional music. And I'm just so glad to see that that's continuing forward in such a, a big way and a beautiful way. You know, that's that's so wonderful. You know, just um, for a long time, I was interested in this old time music, but I didn't have a lot of people that were playing it. So I just kind of learned the songs myself. And then over time, I found others uh, who liked that sound. And I was able to help uh, help uh, create at least a little awareness about it, uh, you know. Uh, uh, let's see. Well, this next one, let me think about. Uh, let me go ahead and I'll play. I'll play one original one here. This is one from the Black Cowboys album here on the guitar, just to give you a little bit of that that Piedmont picking, because that sort of runs up right in line with the Charlie Poole as the evolution of the guitar as a popular instrument, as long as, as well as the banjo being one of the uh, world's most popular instruments leading into the 20th century from the 19th century. But let me go ahead and play a little bit. This is a this is a little piece of, that I wrote after reading the autobiography of a, a black cowboy by the name of Nat Love. And this is a song called Steel Pony Blues. And goes a little something like this. Down the road somewhere, called the first thing smoking. Down the road somewhere, cause I called my steel pony and boys, I'm gonna ride. Getting far too old to follow this year herd. Good Lord, I called the first thing smoking. Down the road somewhere, called the first thing smoking. Down the road somewhere, cause I called my steel pony and boys, I'm gonna ride. I'm a fool, porter now, good lord, I come the first thing smoking down the road somewhere. Come the first thing smoking down the road somewhere. Cause I call the steel pony and boys, I'm gonna ride. Go ahead, get one up, six. Guitar down, good Lord, I caught the first thing smoking down the road somewhere. Now, when you get over there, you won't find me. Cause I caught my steel pony and boys, I'm going to ride. Get on one more time, get on down the trail. Huh?
Knowing Ben, see what y'all will be able to do on that guitar before long. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just three chords and the truth there, you know, and even even for that one, that's just a little fancy guitar move I made just so I could change keys. I that song changes from the key of C to the key of F. And the way I decided to do it, there's an old um country blues song I used to do a lot um from a guy named Robert Wilkins and the song's called Police Sergeant Blues, but uh it has a lick on it that sort of goes so something that really drew me in so when i wrote that song steel pony blues i decided to take the same idea and just and it it created a beautiful little chord here that also has sort of a a dissonant note if i happen to be feeling good on one night and i want to kind of shock the audience with a slightly interesting note you can have on a normal night i pick the three but on a an interesting night, I might hit the extra note, but uh, you can. Hey, Don, I think uh, one of our students has a question. I think Miss Lillian has a question. She's got her hand raised. Oh, yes. There we go. Lillian, what's your question for Mr. Flemings? Do all banjos have different sizes? Yes, actually, every banjo has a different size. Actually, most five-string banjos have the same general size. I brought some interesting shaped banjos with me specifically, and I'm glad you noticed that they were slightly different than your normal banjo you might see, um, I guess, on TV or in most bands. Most banjos, actually, let me show you. Uh, I actually don't have a standard five-string with me, but the only five-string I usually carry is this little gourd banjo. Hold on one second. Megan, you'll like this. This is cool. So this is what they call a gourd banjo. And literally it's made out of a gourd. And a gourd is a, what they call a calabash, which is um, uh, pumpkins, uh, since we're near Halloween, uh, watermelons, cantaloupes, those are all different types of calabashes. But for many, many years, uh, uh, musicians created banjos with these gourds here, especially in the early days. Uh, when enslaved Africans were still making the instruments as a homemade instrument before they became popular on the, the mainstream stages of, of, of popular American music. And so this is one that's meant to be sort of reminiscent of the sound. Of course, uh, let me show you on the back here. I showed everybody on the interview, but just to kind of show you again, there are these beautiful little birds on the back and it has a little family tree. So this is a, a tree that you can find in Haiti. And these little three leaves are, are built on the idea of, of life and all of its passages. And so in Haiti, there are a lot of stories built on the three leaves. So there's that. And the birds are called Sankofa birds. Now, if everybody takes a time, if you've got a piece of paper near you, to write down the word Sankofa, S-A-N-K-O-F-A, it's a very beautiful word. It's a, a West Af African proverb. Um, a saying or a phrase or a motto, which means go back and fetch it. And it's an idea of going back to the past and bringing the things that you need from the past, taking them into the present with you, and then being able to build a new future based off of that idea. And it, it also sort of sends a caveat that the past doesn't all need to come with you. You don't need to bring 100% of the past with you. You need to bring the important lessons that will help you to guide that new future. And so it's a, depicted a lot of times by these sort of birds here, these Sankofa birds that are representing a bird flying forward, but it's touching its beak to its back wing, representing the lessons it's taking with it as it's flying forward. And so this banjo is interesting. Compared to the banjos you've been hearing, um, uh, this is somewhat like how Big Head Joe sounds. A nice low tone compared to the... 
sort of the high tone of the, the normal uh, steel stringed banjo. But let me play you a little bit on here, because once you take the banjo and make it a low-toned instrument, you can handle the syncopation slightly different. Um, so, like for example, here's a little bit of Steel Driving Man, John Henry on the gourd banjo. Great question. <laughs> I, I got a question, uh, Mr. Dom. Yeah, Miss Clemens. Uh, are uh, are all gourd banjos? Are they traditionally uh, fretless like that one? Usually, uh, the, in the early 1990s, there was a sort of a revival of gourd banjo, and it started around a guy named Scott Didlick, who had um, who. Uh, see, it's sort of an interesting thing. So the banjo is an African-derived instrument. So you have it coming from Africa and going into the Caribbean with enslaved Africans. That's a very long history that goes way back. So by the time we get to the 1830s, 1840s, and 50s, the banjo has been incorporated into American culture through American popular music. And again, moving far ahead and far past those areas, we get to the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, and a lot more scholarship on folk music is available to people. And so by the time you get to the early 1990s, you start having luthiers creating replica gourd banjos, taking the ideas that they've read about in books about early African instruments that are similar to the banjo and trying to incorporate those ideas into luthiery practices of a modern luthier. So they created replica gourd banjo. He specifically was starting to make Sankofa birds. And so we, we customized this to be a family heirloom for us so that we would have a family tree of of my own family, as well as I mentioned, the three leaves. And then he had some beautiful black palm as well um, that's featured on the fretboard. And most gourd banjos are fretless. Um, in most cases, um, there, are, there are differing theories about fretless banjos. Um, there's, there was a certain point when uh, people wanted to take on the idea of a fretted instrument so they could play more complex melodic pieces and whatnot. And, and, um, you know, no frets is very hard to keep right with the melody. You know, you have to really be, um, you know, well, you have to be a fiddler, basically, you know, and that's that's not good for a banjo player <laughs> to be a fiddler. That's what fiddlers are for. <laughs> Tom, am I right that the fiddle is about the only instrument you don't play? That's correct. It, it's, it's one that I just, you know, I've tried three, four times to pick up this instrument. It's too hard for me, you know. Thankfully, I, I picked up the harmonica and that ended up working out well for playing fiddle tunes myself, you know, and once I did that, I said, I can't bother with the fiddle for the minute, but maybe one day, maybe one day that mainly because I'd like, I'd like to, I'd like to be a singing fiddler, like fiddling John Carson. And that's like the hardest style of fiddling there is because you, you've got no safety net. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. 
one of our great fiddle students is on here tonight, Felicity. Felicity, does that make you feel better about how good you're doing? Um, but I'm sure you would tell her to go listen to some good Joe Thompson. Yeah, well, Joe Thompson is always someone I'd listen to a lot. Um, and for fiddlers, oh boy, I mean, there's so many different fiddlers. For North Carolina, I mean, there's the great, um, there's the great Pinecone collection going down to Raleigh that came out. Nice two CD set that has everything from Joe to Marvin Gaster and Lachlan and Evelyn Shaw and a lot of really great players from all over the state. Um, yeah, you know, and I had the great fortune when I first uh, came out to North Carolina from Arizona to have gotten a chance to see a lot of great players from Benton Flippin to, uh, gosh, who else was there that was really active at that time? There are people who are still active, like David Bass, who you can go out and see still. He's a still a wonderful fiddler that is still around. Um, I mean, the, 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 the list is literally endless. And spe- uh, Kurt Supfin, since we're Talking about uh, the Piedmont, you know, he's always someone that uh, is great for fiddle tunes as well as banjo. And if you want to hear about an interesting songster, Ernest Thompson is one of his uh, relatives as well. Um, but, you know, for, you know, I did a, a harmonica piece uh, years ago that I still perform in a lot of my shows. This is one called There's a Brown Skin Girl Down the Road Somewhere. And I heard this from the recordings of Eck Robertson. And I adapted it to fit in the style of D. Ford Bailey, who was an early pioneer African-American harmonica player. And also, uh, since we're talking about Western Carolina, I always like to mention Gwen Foster and his beautiful recording of the Wilkes County blues uh, also influenced my arrangement. Just uh, some of those, uh, uh, I call them the spaceship sounds that Gwen Foster featured on many of the Carolina Tar Heels original recordings. Uh, but I'll, uh, I'll play a little bit of There's a Brown Skin Girl Down the Road somewhere for you. Just to give a little taste of this, because this one's definitely, it, there's a lot of D Ford in it, but there's also a lot of uh, that beautiful Western Carolina harmonica style in this, in this arrangement.
Wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, that was a, a beautiful little uh, a little piece there. And and just for many years, I, I, I went into the archives and I went to the Southern Folklife Collection over at UNC Chapel Hill. And I, I talked to people like Steve Weiss, the librarian, and I asked him about stuff. I was particularly looking for... Um, yeah, North Carolina string band music and African-American music. And he actually could, took me on a quite a journey that uh, got me started on a path that um, to this day, I have a, a collection, uh, the Dom Flemings collection over at the library. And over time, as I began to document things, I started to find that there was uh, relevance and significance in the work I was doing individually. So I kind of changed from being just a fan and someone learning to being someone who was helping uh, helping to preserve a couple of different styles, you know, and even in my concerts, I try to feature, of course, I feature a, a lot of different songs as the American songster. I don't only do folk music, but I do blues and country and early jazz and ragtime. Um, but I also like to feature a couple of different songs that are deeply rooted in a particular style. And, and especially when it comes to North Carolina, I can't help but think of my, my good friend, John D. Holman, who's still over there in Durham or, um, Boo Hanks uh, from Buffalo Junction, who's uh, who's gone and passed away now, and uh, Aljamain Hinton, who's uh, passed away nowadays. But some of the wonderful pickers that I got to meet over time, and and I've just uh, taken the time to try to remind people of some of that beautiful uh, Carolina Piedmont blues sound. And so I put together this little medley of of uh, Elizabeth Cotton, Etta Baker, and uh, and uh, uh, Leslie Riddle. Uh, sort of a sort of a medley of train songs, so freight train, uh, railroad bill, and then the cannonball blues, and it's just a it's just one of those styles that I, I took a lot of time to sit with a lot of the masters and, and learn how to pick this particular way. So I'm going to just pick a little bit for you and take this all over the world with me because it's a it's a sound that's made it all over there and it's always in high demand. so much that's one of those beautiful things that just to be able to sit with people on their porches and to be able to play that music it takes me back to those memories of when i got to sit with them and, and all the good times we got to spend and that's a beautiful thing about music i just 
I just I can't get enough of that aspect of it, you know. Exactly. Um, I mean, are, are, there, are there any other questions for, for the students out there? Kids, anybody got a question? Okay, well, I'll pick another one then. So. <laughs> just enjoying the show, right? <laughs> well, let's see here. Uh, let me let me let me pick up the tempo just a little bit on this next one. This is a. This is one that over the years has evolved into a bunch of different uh, techniques. This is a piece called Poe Black Sheep that I I heard on an album called Altamont many years ago, and. Uh, so over the years, I guess basically the melody is So that's basically the, the melody and then there's a embellishments whatsoever on Poe Black Sheep. And over the years, I've added a bunch of different embellishments, some of the overhand technique like I did in Long Journey Home, a couple of extra little sweeps, kind of like I, I saw Joe Thompson's cousin do, uh, Odell Thompson, uh, many years ago uh, on, on some archival footage, and a couple of different things I picked up from players, as well as um, a couple of techniques I picked up from a, a wonderful musician who I got to meet named Shekamala Jibate from uh, West Africa, from Mali. And one of the things I found so interesting with his type of music is a lot of the African tunes he plays in the Ngone, they're built off of a lick or a riff. So a lot of times he'll have a song that'll be something along the lines of... And so having backed him up a couple of different times, I have to continue to do... To hold the whole structure together and then he will do like and any number of embellishments over the and that's the whole performance is really holding the structure together while you have embellishments so this tune even though it's an old-time banjo number i decided to put some of those embellishments on so i'm going to play it for you now here's a little bit of po black sheep Thank you. 
Dom, I think Lillian had another question for us, our little banjo player. Yeah. Um, how long have you been playing? Thank you. Right. Playing the banjo. Ooh, I've been playing that one since about 2001. So it's been 19 years, almost 20 years I've been playing the banjo. Very good question. Yeah, that's, a, that's 20 years of practice, Lillian. But, right. but you can get there. You can get there. <laughs> and I tell people all the time, a banjo needs just a porch and some time. That's all you need to learn a banjo. Porch and some time. There you go. There you go. Leon's a good student. She'll do good. Yeah, we oh. got good, we got some good banjo players in the group here. Oh, wonderful! Well, I hope we get together sometime so we can really get a chance to pick some. So that would be a beautiful thing. Something for us. Let me get another one here on a. Let me get another one here on Big Head Joe here. This is one uh, that's uh, more in the style of one of my other mentors, Boo Hanks, and uh, he played a, a style of Piedmont picking that was really syncopated. He he was a uh, he was from Henderson, North Carolina, and actually lived in a town called Buffalo Junction, right over the Virginia line. And um, he, he used to have this sort of style that was well compared to how I was playing before with the, with the Etta Baker style is is very smooth. And Boo Hanks tended to have a kind of a, he had a rougher syncopated bass note that he tended to do. But I'll show you right now. This is a, an old Blind Boy Fuller number called uh, Keep On Truckin' Mama, Truckin' My Blues Away. Yeah, see, we got a little thing in the comments. Just, oh, well, thank you so much. We've got some be beautifuls and some mices and things. Indeed. Appreciate that. Well, one of the other uh, interesting instruments that I picked up in my travels has been uh, has been this one here, the, the rhythm bones. This is an instrument that, uh, these are literally bones. These are cow rib bones. I didn't, I didn't procure them myself, but uh, a good friend of mine did. They, uh, and they're, two ribs that you hold between the fingers. So basically I'm holding them between my fingers like so. And then I'm holding one bone tight into the palm like so. And then the other one is kind of hanging a little bit loose here. So when I hold them together and I move my whole wrist, I get a click and a click. So, so that's how it starts. But if I make more of a, kind of an egg shape, I can get a whole triplet. Now if I add a little melody, it sounds like this here when I get some good rhythm.
All right. I love it. So that's a little bit of the rhythm bones there. So, you know, and there are a lot of different ways, obviously, that you could play the bones within old-time music. Sometimes fast music, sometimes slow music, and then sometimes just with some harmonica music, which can also be a, a wonderful thing to be able to do there. Uh, let me see what else I have in my, in my uh, little bag of tricks here. I figure that you probably all might want to hear one more gourd banjo number at least. I, I, I noticed I got about two numbers on everything, and, but I only had time for one gourd banjo number up to this point. Now, this is a square dance number. This is one from actually from Joe Thompson, uh, who we mentioned before, who came from Mebbin, North Carolina. And this is one of the old-time numbers that, uh, that I used to do with him. And, of course, uh, a few years back, the... Yeah, Charlie Cool Festival honored Joe and and uh, uh, myself and uh, Bob Carlin, who was another uh, wonderful banjo player who uh, backed up Joe for many years. We got to accept the award on his on his behalf. But this is when I got to hear Joe sing many times, "Old Corn Liquor," but he called it a "Great Big Eight uh, for uh, for the pick kids right now. He called it "Great Big Eight, not "Old Corn Liquor." So we'll, we'll do "Great Big Eight for you right now. for the day when we can all be together and have a good dance oh that would be a great great time because that would oh, be a good day when i came out was learning to square dance i had never you know i had seen square dancing on tv but i didn't really know that you could get down like you could really get down when you, you have a good band and a, and yeah. a wonderful partner and uh and six other folks that are willing to get in that that great big circle with you yeah, lots of fun, lots of fun. That day will come again. Just got to hang on. Mm -hmm. Dom, I just, this has been incredible. This is just incredible. Oh, and just uh, can't thank you enough for joining in and sharing with the kids. And uh, I just can't wait for you to meet them in person one day. They're, they're studying so hard and doing good. You know, Zoom is not the most ideal classroom, but they're studying hard and they're doing great. Well, I'm so glad everybody's keeping right with it and, and 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 keeping resilient in these times because this is the time we need to keep our 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 heads up and also keep our minds open and and learning new information and taking that information to the future. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. We need that. Exactly. Exactly. Has anybody got a question still for Mr. Flemings before we let him get away? Uh, uh, ben, I think Ben's got a question. Ben, can you unmute yourself? One of our good guitarists here. All right. Um, oh, there we go. How long have you played the guitar? Well, the guitar I played a little bit longer than the banjo. I started in 1998. 
So that's been about 22 years. And, you know, I, I just saw a documentary on rock and roll one day when I was coming up and I, I saw Chuck Berry and I said, I got to do that, you know, and, you know, and I felt pretty good once I could do this, I could do it. You know, once I could do one of those, I was I was feeling really good about that. That's a, that was about 22 years ago, though. Great question. Yeah. Anybody else got a question? What advice do you have for our students as far as practicing goes? I know practicing can be kind of hard for a kid to fit into their busy schedules, but is it worth it? Oh, yeah. Practicing is always worth it because how you want to think about practicing is that when you get to the real performance, you don't want to be thinking about it. That's how I always treat it. You got to practice up. You see, like I sat here and I played for you. It's because I practiced these songs so much that just to pull the guitar out, just to, I can, I can just go right into a song. But see, I've practiced them so much, I can even, Caleb, that kind of fits into what you try to teach them, isn't it? If you're still with us. Right, right, yep. Uh, Don't practice till you you get it right, but practice it till you can't get it wrong. That's what I always say. Exactly. And that's basically the idea is that you want to just be so practiced on it that I learned to practice it in front of me and behind my head, uh, rolling on the ground in every sort of way because it needed to be in my fingers that much, especially when it comes to stringed instruments, because that is that's really where you can find when you take it into a performance setting. That's where you really can see where you have put that time in. And there's nothing that can replace the um, the amount of hours that you put into uh, into your instrument when it, it when it comes down to reflecting it and and taking it out into the bigger public sphere um yeah because that's where that's where you really want to be when you want to get out on stage you want to make sure that solo is right there instead of wondering if you're going to get it because the audience is you want the audience on the edge of their seat not yourself you know <laughs> in the best exactly. in the best situation <laughs> exactly yeah yeah good advice Anybody else got a good question, Mr. Flemings? Uh, no, other questions? Any hands up? Well, can we all give him a big, everybody unmute, and let's give Mr. Flemings a good round of applause. Say yay! Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So, all right, Dom. Thank you so much for joining in with us, and uh, we'll we'll look for the future when we can all be together. In the meantime, stay safe, keep playing that great music, and uh, and stay tuned because you're going to hear from these pit kids. <laughs> all right, well that sounds like a plan. Well, everybody stay safe out there. Keep picking, keep grinning, keep having a good time. And thank you, Ben Louise. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, everybody, for having me. Thank you for listening to this Piedmont Instrument Classes for Kids virtual concert. Featuring the American songster, Dom Flemings. To learn more about musical offerings from the American songster, visit theamericansongster.com. Piedmont Folk Legacies and the Rockingham County Education Foundation would like to thank the North Carolina Arts Council and the Rockingham County Arts Council for their support in making this concert possible. Thank you so much. To learn more about Piedmont Instrument Classes for Kids in our work in the community, visit PICProgram.org. And finally, last but not least, thank you for your support in our efforts to empower children through musical heritage.